2: You're listening to Kicked Back, presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of Eats, 5% off of Rides, and if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash one for details. Welcome to Kicked Back, everyone. We've got the Jersey Walls, Nathan Santos. We got Liam. We got Caroline in the house. And Brazil and Portugal have officially moved on to the round of 16. And I feel like a lot of people probably predicted these two teams moving on. So, not a surprise, but some good games today. Boys, what do you think?
1: I actually didn't have Portugal moving on.
2: Oh, okay. I, did, I forgot about that then. Yeah,
1: I I, uh, didn't, I didn't forget. I, I was
0: waiting to bring this up on the show. I was like,
1: "What now, Liam? Get in!" I just it's coming home. Casa. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into, I suppose. But man, I just expected so much more from Uruguay. Just so yeah. so much more, and they have been so disappointing. Like I'm thinking of making a video now that every single team has been in this played two games. Yeah. Like who's been the best team? Like most surprising? Who's been Like on both ways, like good and bad. And I think Mm -hmm. Uruguay has quite easily been the one team that's like, what is going on here?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uruguay have been massively, massively disappointing. I don't think I anticipated them having as much difficulty scoring Mm-hmm. right the the defensive solidity has been there and it was there against korea right so they didn't they didn't even concede a shot in the korea game <laughs> mind you they didn't score they didn't register one either <laughs> and then against portugal it's it's moments of magic right the penalty i'm sure we're going to talk about it because i'm sure to some it'll be more controversial than to others i didn't have a problem with it but i did anticipate the style of play being very different for Uruguay at this tournament and I think leaving it late and saying, okay, let's shut them out for as long as we can. And then we'll go for it late on. I don't think that's an effective strategy. And for the dark horses that they were projected to be, I think they've been massively, massively underwhelming.
2: I, I, there was a point in time in the game where I forgot that Nunes and Valverde were even on the pitch. These are some of the biggest names right now. Some of the best young football talents. And I was like, for a second, I had to remind myself that it was Portugal versus Uruguay. And Nunes and Valverde are on this team. So uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. They were a very underwhelming team for me so far. First two games, they didn't impress me at all. I do think that they had a bit of a spark ignited when Nunes and Cavani came off and Suarez came on. I forget who the other player was on. And I do think that there was this five to 10 minute period where they really tried to push Portugal. And I even tweeted, I said, where was this from the beginning of the game, because if Uruguay had a little bit more of this press and this attacking mentality, shot the ball and whatnot, I think that the outcome could have looked a little bit different because we'll get into Portugal's side of things in a second. I do think Portugal played well, but I do think that they can be better. Uh, but disappointing sure. d- disappointing from, from Uruguay, in my opinion. And I didn't like Suarez starting against South Korea, but I think him coming onto the field, he actually was a good player. Impact player for those twenty or so minutes that ignited a little bit of a spark for Uruguay. Just not enough overall. Not enough from that entire team. And agreed with you guys. Disappointing.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think with uh, the Suarez decision, like you said, like he was much better when he came on rather than the, when he started the game the other day. And it's like he's an old he's an old player now. Like yeah. he's not he was like he doesn't have the durability that that he did. And Uruguay has to kind of find a balance of having him and Cavani in the team like who's gonna play in what situations and I guess they somewhat got it right today but they've also like we said the last time Uruguay played they have got to figure out how Nunez is gonna start being impactful and scoring some goals and mm-hmm. he's supposed to be the goal scorer like Lucas on Sunday League pundits had him as the golden boot winner and he's not even mm. close to hitting the net has he like it's been it's been brutal I I cannot believe where this team is at oh, oh no <laughs> I didn't
2: even <laughs> the Uruguay football gods are not happy the with Liam right now. The
0: beauty
1: of live recording. Again. That was <laughs> for a, everyone listening, <laughs> Liam,
2: <laughs> for everyone listening, as Liam was talking about Nunez in Uruguay, the background of the shelves started to fall on him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my Bolton program from the couple a- <laughs> <laughs> of fell down. Literally, I had a soft football next to me that only fell down. A couple of my sub men fell. But guess who's still standing? Brazil.
2: I lo- well, makes sense. <laughs> makes,
0: we could have teed sense. up that segue later in the show. That would have been good. <laughs> that was all scripted. Thanks for pulling
1: that rope was then everything to fall down.
2: Another thing about Uruguay, I think they're just really heavily disorganized. I just feel like it's a messy team.
0: Yeah. I, I expected a lot more defensive stability, but I mean, the thing is, it's easy to, to be a hindsight analyst and to say, here's what they should have done. I just, I feel like what we've been screaming from this Uruguay team has been the same thing. And so I feel like the fact that we're not getting it and the results aren't going their way bode well for the prediction shows because it's saying, listen, like Federico Valverde has been one of the most influential players in Europe this season and he's Mm -hmm. nowhere near a goal. Ben Tenker was tearing Portugal up and you could have given me a hundred million guesses between two players. I would pick... Federico Valverde to be bossing the midfield over Benton Kerr any day of the week. And he, I forgot he was playing. I'm like, dude, has this guy touched the ball yet? Exactly. I expected him to have a much more, not just box to box oriented role, but threatening an attack role. And I keep saying this name and I'll keep saying it. Nico de la Cruz is not seeing minutes in this Uruguay team, but he needs to because he's a massive injection of pace and energy, which I think will really occupy a lot of back lines. And to be fair, the back lines in this group are very prone to error. All of them. So having a player like that, if you need somebody to do the running of a Cavani or do the running of a Suarez who don't have it in their legs anymore, there are players in their team that can do that. They're just not utilizing them as effectively, even if they don't have a perfect creator, be heavy on that first touch, press the other team hard and the results will come because defensively, it's not like they've been terrible, right? They conceded a a great like cross shot, right? Which, which just deceived everybody. And then a Mm -hmm. penalty, right it's not like they're they're conceding massively an open player they're bleeding goals i still think they have defensive stability and they have players that can secure that but i think you're absolutely right the, the organization is terrible the the lack of confidence in what each other's roles are is all over the place and then i'll be honest with you darwin nunez to get uh, the the, the uh, golden boot is that's a hot take that's a very hot take from Sunday League pundits but either way i My prediction for him going into this tournament was perhaps escape the meme culture, right? I thought if he could get like good three, four goals in this tournament that he could remove himself from that bracket, like Vinicius did a few seasons ago, where people were laughing at him every time he touched the ball saying, this guy's trash, this guy's trash and going, you know what? I don't want to play against this dude. I feel like he has, he needs that opportunity to escape that side of his game so we can just embrace him for what he is instead of comparing him to Holland, but it's just not gone his way. And that's kind of, you know, a microcosm of Uruguay as a whole.
1: Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. It's like you said. It's like they're not conceding goals from like ridiculous goals. Like they're kind of still pretty strong team. And as we say this, they still have a chance to get out of this group. Yeah, you've got to win. All you got to do is win, and then go from there. This team's more than capable of doing that. And yeah, like like I said, kind of off the start. Like this is probably the one team I'm so surprised about seeing down here. But what did you guys think of the penalty decision?
2: I liked it. I think me to me, I've seen some crazier handballs be awarded in the penalty box that I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. This yeah. to me was a Bruno Fernandez play where he megged the defender and it could have the play could have continued if the player's hand didn't fully touch. Like the player's hand was fully on the ball. That makes sense to me. That makes absolute sense to me. I think it should have been a penalty. And I think that if The player's hand didn't go on the ball. Maybe something could have happened afterwards. So I think that the ref made the right decision for once in my life. I will agree with the ref.
0: (laughs) I think so too entirely. And and it might come off as a little bit biased coming from me, but I think it's very easy for a person who didn't want to see Portugal to win to make a case of why it shouldn't have been a penalty. But show me the textbook definition of what a penalty should be in every scenario. And it's exactly this. The hand... Like, he didn't have to put his hand down to break his fall. If he just fell onto his ass, he could have done that. He didn't. He put his hand down. You might say that's a natural reflex. That doesn't take away from the fact that Bruno megged him. It doesn't take away from the fact that Bruno probably would have got the ball on the other end of it. So that's a denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity from, like, eight yards out. There's no doubt about it. That's 100% a penalty every day of the week. I'm glad it was given. And ultimately, it didn't... It sealed the game, didn't it? Right? Because it looked... Portugal were looking very, very vulnerable for the last... 20 30 minutes and beyond, but at that moment, it's all right. That's a wrap. Portugal are through and they just topped the group.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a hot tinkler, <laughs> hot tinkler. I'm a little torn because, on one hand, like I, I get the argument of why it should be a penalty and like you know, it hit his handy, his denial of a scoring opportunity, I suppose, but also I feel like he was in an, almost a natural position. Like when you fall down, you're going to fall down to do that. And mm-hmm. head division, isn't that also part of the rule? If your hand is in like a natural position, that, that's also not part of a penalty rule. I don't know. I mean, it was a close call. I'm not surprised the ref didn't call it on the pitch. And I'm not surprised that the VAR told him to go look at it either. All right.
2: I just think that I've seen so many where a player unintentionally, the ball unintentionally hits their hand and it's a penalty because mm-hmm. the rule is, is if it hits your hand, intentional or not, it's a, it's, it's a, It's going to be awarded that to me, like this wasn't his finger. This wasn't whatever his whole palm. Mm -hmm. Like it sucks that that, like it wasn't intentional, but the whole, his whole palm went on the ball.
0: Yeah. Penalty. And it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like it was near his body. Like I remember Lysandra Martinez got called for a penalty and he had his arms crossed on his chest and he dived and it hit his hand and it was awarded as a penalty that you could say, well, his hands, like what is he supposed to do? He has his hands glued to his body. This was the opposite of that. His hand was not, even if it was a natural position, it was still sticking out from his body and denied a clear goal. But scoring
2: that's my before. point. You know what yeah. I We've seen so many exactly. moments like that being called that to me, that was a no brainer. Do you know exactly. what I mean? I agree. 100%. I think, I think that a lot of people, (laughs) unfortunately with, and I say this with love, people don't want Portugal to... To go through
0: we're heels bro we're, we're total and heels yeah
2: man. you guys are the heels i think yeah italy and portugal are the heels of football yeah. and people Serbia don't too. See-
0: <laughs> there's a few heels that are just in this car everybody knows who the heels are portugal are part of it listen i love the. i would have hated the heels when i was a kid but i grew up loving this team they're the heels the kids it's it's easy to hate them there's a lot of people in the team that are trolls yeah there's a lot of people that are very easy to hate on and my allegiances lie with them so i'll never get over it but it puts a big smile on my face every time they rub somebody the wrong way because they want to see the the face win and the heel comes up it's <laughs> it's the big here's
2: one. Here's my take, and I didn't even think it was a hot take, but everyone online is making me feel like it was a hot take. But right now, Nathan and Liam, I think Bruno Fernandes is the best player for Portugal at this tournament. And I'm not a Bruno Fernandes stan. I'm not. I I, I think that I get tired of his drama and his antics pretty quickly, but I will always give credit where credit's due. I think Bernardo Silva is one of the best, most underrated midfielders in the world. I've said it time and time again on this podcast. However, what sets... In my opinion right now, what sets Bruno Fernandes apart from a Bernardo Silva is the fact that Bruno Fernandes was the guy who came up with two clutch assists in a Ghana game, which could have gone a different direction for Portugal, and then goes into this Uruguay game and scores two goals. In two games, he has two goals and two assists as a midfielder. That's huge. He has these big game-changing moments, and at times, for Portugal, is the only one who's really trying to keep possession and generate an attack that I think he's sparked this entire team and has been a critical piece of Portugal to get them into this round of 16. And so many people are coming at me like, that was Ronaldo's goal, which I don't think, I don't it, think was. it was. And yeah, I'm, I so. I'm, I'm <laughs> you guys know, Ronaldo's my GOAT. I will yeah. defend Ronaldo to the day that I die, hopefully a long time from now. But I'm going to be unbiased. That wasn't Ronaldo's goal. I think that he did a lot to kind of make the goalkeeper make a decision in that yeah. moment because he, he went up for the ball, not discrediting him in any ways. Bruno's goal, though, and I think that Bruno—nothing against Bernardo Silva, because that guy worked his ass off all game, as he does every single game he's playing in. But Bruno is the man of the match.
0: Yeah, it's Liam. Do you mind if I touch on this before just as a pork chop? You go ahead. Because my question:
1: What's kind of the the feel around Bruno with Portugal? I guess you would have a better idea than either of us.
0: Yeah, I I think it's just it depends where your allegiances lie within the team, because I think there's a lot of Portuguese people who want him in the team and a lot of them who don't, because there's different versions of this squad that that people want to see. Right. Caroline, I I hear what you're saying 100 percent. I think he's been the most effective player for Portugal in front of goal and he's been a difference maker. And I think that is absolutely something that we have to give him credit for however i don't know if i'm ever okay with saying somebody's the best player of the team or the most important player when bernardo silva also plays in that team because i'll I'll stand bernardo silva forever because without him i feel like portugal get run through i feel like they get dominated he's leading the press he's making tackles he's dribbling through things and he's spraying off bruno who then makes that decisive pass so for me i think bernardo silva is He makes every team that he plays at tick. And I think that makes him the best player. However, that is totally not a discredit towards Bruno, who to your point, Liam, I think this is what the Portugal fans who lie on this divide need, right? It's like, how do you earn the unanimous decision of the fans? And it's like, you have to keep doing this because when Bruno doesn't produce two goals and two assists and stuff like that, and he's playing games, but he's not getting on the score sheet, everyone's like, dude, get this guy off the pitch because he's just wasting possession all the time. But when he makes things happen, you got nothing to criticize right? Then it's, oh, well, now he's the difference maker today. I think today and against Ghana, if he doesn't have the performances that he did and make the things happen the way that he does, Portugal don't win those games. So from a difference maker perspective, I I wouldn't have said I wanted him in the team going into this tournament. At this point, I can't say I want him out, right? That's my my point though. Right
2: now, right now, if you guys didn't have Bruno Fernandes and I'm not saying of all time or the last five years or whatever, yeah. but in these last two games, if you guys didn't have Bruno Fernandes on the pitch, you guys aren't right now qualifying to the round of 16.
0: Yeah. W- and what that say- is to me.
2: And that is to me. And, and I love, I love a Bernardo Silva. And I always, I, I guys, I was a defensive, yep. I was a defensive center mid, so I know what it's like to work your ass off all game and maybe not get as much credit because yeah. you're kind of behind the scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, all credit to bernardo silva but to have two two assists and two goals in two world cup games and kind of be the guy that's helped your team get there you got it you've got to really start looking at this current picture of what bernardo uh, bruno fernandes is doing for portugal because i don't think i've ever seen him have such a strong individual performance before scored his first world cup goal and and, and helped portugal do what they do i mean yeah. In a game, in a game, in a game where Portugal was lacking creativity
0: up yeah, top. that's for sure. Yeah. And what else? It's it's just like if we're going to play the note of, of hypotheticals and like, what if he wasn't in the team who would have done that? I would just play the hypothetical of well, what if Fernando Santos wasn't the manager? Then we wouldn't need that one creative outlet. Then I would have Vitinha in this team. Bernardo Slov would be in the team. Joao Felix would be in a more favorable position. And I would widespread the contributions throughout the team, both in transition and creatively and not just have one guy to make it happen. Because if Bruno doesn't, then what's the plan here? I would play the same hypothetical and just say, I think the manager, but you guys know how I feel about Fernando Santos because I'll voice, my, I'll voice my concerns with him every single time. Portugal's last two results do not make me any more confident in Fernando Santos as the manager, because I still feel like there's levels above where we could be playing that we haven't reached yet. And I think when when Bruno Fernandes is the epitome of a good performance for your team, I think that speaks volumes to the level that your manager is at. And it's not that I want to slander that It's just my nation, right? Like It's not that I want to slander them. It's just that I would... I would trust that a better manager could get a lot more out of a lot more players in the team. And then Bruno wouldn't be as uh, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have such a big necessity for him.
1: What, what is the uh, status on Fernando Santos like after the world cup? Like, is he going to be done or like what, what does he have to do? To, I guess to keep his job, it feels like every time we talk about this team, not just us, but anybody is always around him. It's kind of like Southgate with England. Everything's exactly. all until it's not.
0: It's, yeah, you're exactly right. I think that this is actually going to be a reset for a lot of massive teams after this tournament. I think that win, lose, or draw Brazil are going to have a new manager after this. I would imagine Belgium will as well. France will, England will, Portugal will. That is a massive shuffle for the heavyweights in, in, you know, in the global sport. On the note of Fernando Santos, I think everybody would like to see Portugal win the World Cup, but I don't know if the expectation you can put that on him to play the style that the fans want to see and break away from the results that have been successful for him. Because by the same logic, the results that have been successful to him have also been to our detriment as of late. Right. I would imagine that after this tournament, he will resign from the national team. That's my, that is how I feel he will approach the situation because I feel he should have done that after the nation's league win. And I think he wants to go out with the world cup. Cause he says always, he's like this, is the one trophy missing from the cabinet. That's what I have to help this team do. I just think there's a time where, you know, what's the Batman quote there, right? You either die a hero or live yourself, live long enough to, to become the villain. I think that he's approaching that territory. And if he overstays his welcome, I don't want it to be like a bitter exit for the guy who won the the, the, the first national trophy in, in however long, right? I would imagine that this is the last tournament win, loser, draw for him. I would love for it to be going out on a high. Unfortunately, I don't think it will. And I think it'll be Fernando, can you resign, please, for your honor? Because... We don't want to publicly sack you, but I think Portugal after this tournament, will find a new one.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Shout out Bruce Wayne.
2: <laughs> am I wrong for, am I wrong for watching Felix and wanting more from him? Like, am I wrong for watching him and say in that moment for as talked about as he is and as, as much clout as his name receives that, I would expect him to do more in that moment. I don't want to say he's overrated because I want to watch him continue to play and I'm rooting for him. But there are moments where I'm like, that was a really shit pass or a really shit chance on net that he should have done better with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely
1: right. Prospect since Martin Odegaard.
2: (laughs) Pardon, Liam? He
1: said he's the most overrated prospect (laughs) since Martin Odegaard. moved away from momentary. like for years i feel like felix is just and nathan you maybe you know a bit better than i but just always been the guy that's like just leaves you on it a little bit more right yes i yeah. got the
0: Joao felix here yeah listen you're absolutely right i got the i got the 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 love bug for Joao felix during the benfica days because that was the explosion of the next big thing right and i feel like since that moment Joao felix has not one time played in a favorable team or system and the past few seasons, he's been hampered by injuries as well. This has significantly delayed the progress of Joao Felix because there's never an opportunity for him to find his best feet. Now, that that's not an excuse for him to still misplace passes that he should be making because you're absolutely right. I would just say this is still a, a U23 player, right? He's still under 23, mm-hmm. who still has massive, massive growth opportunity here. But it has to be on his terms. I feel like if you're going to invest in the squad and you're going to invest in the player, who what do you need to do to build around a player like this? This is like that player. This is the player you have to build around, but you have to do it effectively. You have to say okay, well, I'm going to deploy you through the middle cuz I know that's where you want to be. I'm going to put you with dynamic wingers i'm not going to put you in a super pragmatic system where you have to play left mid at times and not be involved in play and just draw fouls and slow the game down because i feel like that doesn't help him build his momentum but when joao felix is on form he's unplayable you can't get near him and i've seen that on such few occasions but we all have the glimpses are there that keep that like spark of hope there i wouldn't say he's overrated i just think he's not he hasn't delivered to the to where we've expected him to reach at this point in his career I just think that there's a very very logical answer as to why that is and it's because you put any of the you know the elite talents and you put them in in Burnley ball how much are they going to do right like there's not that many players who can thrive in that system i think he's one of them who needs the ball in his feet he needs to have an attack built around him and he needs teammates and a system that can that can favor his best attributes
2: i always feel bad for players who go through injuries it's never easy yeah. right like it's so hard to go through that and then come back and continued to try and make an immediate impact. Yeah. What I will say though, is despite what systems he may be playing and he's still playing with really good players and he should be making more of the opportunities that he has, regardless of his age and regardless of the team, the big players will figure it out. And today mm-hmm. he could have had a goal. There were a couple passes in the middle of the pitch that, you know, he could have cleaned up. He is still young. I think that'll come with experience. The last thing I would want to see is a player like him almost go really under the radar and start to kind of get washed up from the criticism he's getting and maybe the teams he's playing on. But I think he needs a really big game coming up in this world cup to maybe get that confidence for himself. Right. I think that his, his teammates probably have the confidence in him, but he needs it because some of the decisions he's making are are a little confusing for me, but Big players always show up, right? So Mm -hmm. he needs to have this one solid performance because lately for me, this is kind of a guy that I was going to really look at coming in for Portugal. And I'm not really feeling like I'm quite sold on, on who he is and the player he is.
0: I think there will, I think that it may help his career in a very strange way because just hear me out here he moved to ben he moved from benfica to atletico madrid for 126 million euros right as a teenager cheap right trump change trump change right (laughs) and and since then he hasn't hit the expectations of what that price tag would set. Now I feel like there will come an agreement in the near future where clubs are willing to move on Joao Felix and clubs are willing to take a chance on Joao Felix for significantly less than what Atletico paid for him. But these are not going to be clubs who play a similar system to Diego Simeone. They're going to be clubs who say, I still see a Joao Felix in there and I think I know what he can do. And I'm willing to take that chance on him. I feel like the dip in form might help him earn that move because otherwise even if he blew up at the world cup and he goes back to play with Simeone Simeone's not going to go all right kid let's play 4-3-3 with a false nine it's not going to happen like he's still going to have that stagnant momentum come when he goes back to his club team you're absolutely right and listen reasons and explanations versus excuses are entirely in the eye of the beholder right because if you're if you're like no that's an excuse at 100% it's, right it's just it's it's it is what it is he should be coming up bigger he should be delivering more and for all for every bit that i've defended him he, you'd still expect to see another level from him that we just haven't seen. Mm -hmm. But I do think that a dip in form will help his career if he's able to get a move from it to a system that will enable him to be his best self.
2: I just want, I want him to have a solid game at the world cup so people can start seeing Nathan what you saw in him at Benfica Uh, because I think, I think think that that would really help his confidence. And, you know, Liam and I've talked about it on kicked back when, when Atletico was kicked out of the Champions League and Europa. Like, they're not playing any European football at all. And we were saying that Simeone is the highest-paid football manager in the world.
0: By a lot.
2: But at what point are we going to take a step back and realize that he doesn't change his style of play, like, ever? Like, it's how Mm Atletico has been playing for a long time. And at what point do, do Atletico fans and the players say, we want either Simeone to change what he's doing, or we need another manager. You know, I think Liam, you and I said, we don't think that Simeone should get axed just yet. if I'm trying to remember correctly, but we, but I do agree with you that Felix probably is going into a system that where he has a manager that's very set in his own ways. And maybe it doesn't work for him at a club level. And then it's hard to come into a world cup. And all of a sudden, be the star player 100%. I understand that as someone who's played the game and as someone who watches it, I just, there are certain moments where I'm like, oh, like he could be like, he could be like a Bruno Fernandez in those moments and have such a big like spotlight on him. Yeah. And he and, and it doesn't go his way, it but we'll see.
0: Way. Yeah, And to your credit, and we can wrap on Joao Felix in particular, I think you're absolutely right. Even for the lack of what he's been able to do, he still should have picked up a lot of things from Simeone and from Athletic Madrid. His aggression should be way, way, way higher because Simeone plays very aggressively. And sometimes Felix looks very lethargic. Right? He has his head down. He doesn't look like he's chasing the ball or trying to make things happen. He looks like he can get got at. And I feel like if nothing else, aggression in particular for an offensive player can be such a weapon if utilized correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have it. He's 100 pounds soaking wet, right? Like he's not going to be a physical monster ever, but he will be one who I think can press more. I think he can be one who can get up and scream at people and be like, yo, this is who I am. Like Eden Hazard was, right? Like on his best day where he's like, listen, I'm not big, but I can dribble at you and I can embarrass you if, if you give me that chance. Hazard had that mentality at one point. It's a big comparison to say Joao Felix can reach that, but I think top end Joao Felix potential, that's what's expected for him to be and I think it starts with a change in attitude because you're like Joao listen it's not going your way buddy but you got to do something about it too mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think you'd look really
1: good with Everett Ball or Bolton Wanderers <laughs> put the jersey Love up it. here I take yeah. it uh, well, I, sorry go ahead Liam I was just going to say the last two games of the day only gave us three goals and the first two games of the game gave us what 3-3 three, three in the Cameroon Serbia and yeah. then 3-2 South Korea Ghana Ridiculous. like was. It would have been nice if those were on at reasonable times, <laughs> but. So. Well, yeah.
2: Let's move on. Let's move on, and, and I thought that that was a really good convo about Portugal. So, Neon, yeah, thanks no. for your expert insights, and Liam, oh, my like, pleasure.
0: I didn't even get to slander the team as much. This was just your off the talk. I love talking, about yeah. Well,
2: which is good, and we 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 wish him the best, right? Like, we yeah. I personally, for me, I want to see him succeed. I'm just like Liam. said, I think the best way you can define him is when you watch him; it, he leaves you wanting
0: more. Yeah. But he's
2: young. He has time. He okay, and there's
0: nobody Brazil. Portugal. Won, Portugal fans want to see succeed more. By the way, on the final note, I think which everybody I wants João Felix to hit that form. Anyway,
2: which I love. Okay, Brazil Switzerland. Let's talk about it. Um, first, first 45 minutes, respectfully, a little bit of a snooze fest. And I even yeah. tweeted. You know, I compare every Brazilian team that I watched to the 2016 team that we were disgraced with in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tough because I think this team, and we saw it against Serbia, they have moments of magic magic. Obviously Richarlson and his bicycle kick and and certain moments. Casemiro's goal today, we'll talk about it. But it's just not the same type of Joga Benito football that we've had yeah. from Brazil in the past. And I did say this on our last podcast when we were talking about Brazil, I said It was nice to see Richarlison score those goals for Brazil against Serbia because it's nice to see a team like Brazil, who's basically built around a Neymar, to have a goal scorer that isn't Neymar. With that being said, Neymar was a part of both of those goals. Today against Switzerland, you could tell how much Brazil missed the creativity of what Neymar is. And I didn't realize how Instrumental he is in the way he plays to this Brazilian team because there was just no creativity in moments (laughs) in in that game, and that's what you would expect to see and watch when you're when you're watching a Brazilian team.
1: The yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, like those 2002, 2006 teams with like Ronaldinho, yeah, uh, like all these guys. Even look at the jersey up here. Even look at the fullbacks like Roberto Carlos and Cafu. Cafu, right? Ridiculous. R nine like so many guys like it's kind of crazy just to look back and think about but yeah they just they re- rely so much on Neymar and yeah you take him out you take the heartbeat out and there ain't no pump uh, yeah mm. I don't know I it, way it, saying it. It, it it's interesting like if you look at the names and we've talked about it on the previous shows like how good this squad is it's probably mm. the best squad in the tournament i probably put it next to Portugal with the amount of depth they actually have in every position. And yeah, we just didn't see it at all today. Like, Vinny Jr. is kind of should be turning it off a little bit. He had that one goal disallowed and pretty lazy, if you ask me, like to not get back on side in a play like that, too. So, interesting kind of overall from Brazil. Yeah. I- T-
0: to be fair, that was Richarlison who was offside in the build up to that yeah. play. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Vinny
1: himself. But- well, he was lazy then, whoever it was.
2: Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Liam's like lazy no matter what.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that'll happen when the the pump of your team is is gone. And if we're going to talk like systematically, I feel like Chiche, uh, Brazil's coach, is the one who prohibits that Jogo Bonito because he's like, we need need to be more defensively rigid than this. But then again, he decides to play Paqueto over Guimaraes. And then I'm like, well, damn, he is still looking for a link up player. Like he's not just looking for all energy in midfield. And I rate that aspect of it for him to say, okay, how are we going to fill Neymar's void here? let's go with fred cuz he thinks that fred offers a little bit more offensively than uh than Guimaraes does which i disagree i think Guimaraes will have enabled the team to hit another level but that's just me mm-hmm. i th- i feel like everything that i predicted about brazil is is happening so far right like they've won all their games they're they're 2 for 2 uh neymar at the center of it is what i think allows them to reach another level and the fact that he was out I think made Brazil a little bit stagnant today because they were utilizing wide areas with underlaps because their wingers would go wide, but the Swiss players weren't coming. So it's just like, Switzerland was like, cool, you do whatever you want over there, but like in the danger area over here, you're not coming in. And I think ultimately the biggest testament for Brazil today is that they still won. Because for me, that just proves that Brazil are inevitable. Brazil do not have to beat you from minute one to minute 90. Brazil can just be in the game and eventually they will get you. It doesn't have to be Neymar. It doesn't have to be Richarlison. It doesn't have to be one of their million dynamic wingers or half the Prem who's sitting on the bench for them who can't even get in the team. Brazil find a way. And today it was cigar in the mouth. Cool as you're like five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time Champions League winner. Casemiro who gets the winner right like there's always going to be something for Brazil to do it and I think that's the mark of a champion.
2: You can have you can name me all the stars on Brazil right now and no one will convince me that's that anyone is more important than Casemiro on that field. Mm. That guy today his movement off the ball, how he denies lanes, how he shuts players down, how he's able to keep Brazil in possession, his passes and then to go and crack a ball like that? Like you there's a still image of the Swiss goalkeeper looking at the ball go in the net and everyone including him was stunned. And I think that I'm very curious because my prediction with Brazil was they have this boatload of superstars on their team, but how do they look like when they play together at this World Cup? I was more impressed with them against Serbia. I -hmm. think Neymar not being in this starting 11 is going to pose a lot of problems for them because again, he's their creative guy going forward and trying to funnel in all this magic attack for this Brazilian team. And that was missing in today's game. And I wonder what they're going to look like when they play a really good team. Like I was thinking today, if they were playing France, what would this look like? Where Casemiro would be very busy in the midfield and their, their back line would have to deal with the likes of Mbappe and Giroud and, you know, even Griezmann when he's in the attack. Like there's, I just wonder what that looks like because Brazil wasn't generating nearly enough. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't, Serbia after the Serbia game, I was like, "Wow, this is shades of Brazil from the past." And today, I was like, "Okay, this is exactly why I was a little, just a little hesitant about Brazil." Now that Neymar's out,
0: yeah, Neymar's a massive loss. I don't think he will stay out for very long because I mean, even, did you even see his foot? Said, I know, but even the coach said his tournament's not done. Trust me, he's coming back. And I think Neymar would sooner amputate his leg and stick a prosthetic <laughs> on there to complete this <laughs> tournament. I don't think Neymar's going anywhere without uh, being part of this World Cup squad. I think that. If they played better opposition, the lineup changes slightly. I do think that Bruno Guimaraes will become an important member of this team sooner rather than later. But I just think that Brazil will always have an answer. Like in the next game, they're going to play Guimaraes and they've already qualified. Neymar doesn't need to play that game, even if he hadn't gotten hurt. Of her, course. Yep. Right? Which means, like, let the Martinelli's of uh, the Martinellis of the world have a run. Right? Let Anthony Absolutely. Have You know what I mean? Like they're going to be able to do it against Cameroon and then come the next round. They're either going to play Ghana or Uruguay, most likely, or South Korea, I guess. But let's let's call it one of Ghana or Uruguay. Do you have either of them beating Brazil? I don't think so. So Brazil, like we know we're going to go far into this tournament regardless. And that gives Neymar the opportunity to come back when he does. I just think that Brazil are inevitable and it's it's just Everything about them. I, I, I hope I'm not jinxing. I'm a knock on wood here. Cause they're, they're my prediction, but I genuinely believe that there is nobody who can do anything about what Brazil can do. Brazil can put a million different ways to beat you. And eventually they'll find one.
1: I heard McGuire could slow him down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's England's best player, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, uh, yeah, Brazil, they're a fun team. They can be a fun team and they've got a lot of talent. And I, I kind of agree with what you said, Nathan, like, they played a tough opponent today in Switzerland compared to what they have in their group, but let's see what this team can truly do against a top, top team, and I think they'll show up when they need to, and that's why they're still the favorites in my book to win. Yeah, That's what my head says. My heart says other things, when my head says Brazil.
2: <laughs> I think that if Brazil wins, it's because Casemiro's a rock, an absolute tank, rock, leadership role, experienced talent. That will lead them to win everything like today. I just can't say enough about it. There's one thing that you said, Nathan, that I completely agree with is that they found a way to win. And in in the 83rd minute, when you have your defensive mid, absolutely like cracking a ball into the back of the net, you're, you're, you're going to be just fine. But mm-hmm. I, I do want to see the picture against a better team. That's just me personally.
0: Fair. Can I ask you guys a question on the note of Brazil before we move on? I want your personal yeah. opinions here because you guys know I have a pretty pretty nice jersey wall collection here. And what I like to do is no matter who wins a tournament, I want to get a World Cup winning kit. If Brazil win, who am I getting on the back? Is it going to be? Uh, you know my pick, answer. You're going to pick Casemiro no matter what? Whoever gets yeah. the World Cup winning goal. That's a good shout. That's, that's a good shout. Where my <laughs> head was at was Thiago Silva because I thought just like legend of the game, I don't have his jersey. He wins it at like 40, like what an achievement. But all of these great shouts all around.
2: How yeah. sick w- was it to see like Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos and Kaka? Okay. Uh, there was yeah. one more. Who am I missing? Cafu. Cafu was like there. Ca- just all in yeah. the stands.
1: I lost four of them. I can't remember who the fourth one was. Cafu. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: It was oh. Cafu, Kaka, Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo.
1: That's what I was. Mean. I didn't hear you say saw. Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good group of alumni.
2: <laughs> <laughs> pretty average bunch. I mean, yeah. I barely remember their names. Not like they were iconic or anything. Yeah,
1: no. just crazy. a couple of guys. The picture of the guy in the crowd who had <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> nine. Yeah. I know. And the pen. Was-
0: it was the perfect. Like they set that up. They knew the the, the, direct, the producer saw them both and said, "Okay." Go and then pan it to him. It was perfect. So
2: funny. So funny. Okay. So now bottom half of the games or basically top half, we just went in reverse order. Uh, Where do you want to start, Nathan?
0: Well, let's go full backwards. Let's go chronologically. Let's start with the match of the day, which upstaged the match of the day. See, I thought that when I woke up and I watched Cameroon, Serbia, and what I will say about this, because this is ungodly hours that these games are played at for us on this coast of the world. This game in particular, I was like, well, if there's a game that I have to wake up at 5 a.m. for, let it be a game that's thrilling. That's 3-3 like this. And then South Korea and Ghana said, all right, hold my beer, bro. You thought that was cool? Check this out. And then they tore it up. So I want to start there because they, they stole the spotlight. Like them, The winners of the day are Ghana, in my opinion, because they may not have qualified yet, but I feel like Ghana are the people's country right now. I feel mm-hmm. like everybody is back in Ghana right now, even if whether or not you have a nation representing you at this World Cup or you're just looking for a neutral, Ghana have produced by far the most thrilling fixtures and they have a hold on my heart. Like I want to see them succeed. And I want to shout out one name in particular because I think the whole, um, the whole Ghana squad is great. But Mohamed Kudus I had oh. something of a hot take today. This dude is an absolute stud. And I said in this TikTok that I made today, which did pretty well, go check it out. Kicked back 90th minute with plug our <laughs> socials, guys. <laughs> run it up. Listen, Mohammed Kudus has every single bit of talent that Joao Felix has, but people aren't ready for that conversation because he plays for Ghana and not a top European or South American country. And I think that. We know how much transfer value affects. We see the memes all the time, right? You know, Gavi, if he was English, what would he be worth? And so on, right? We see those memes, all this. If Phil Foden was Brazilian, what would he be worth? Like the value changes depending on the flag. Even Kvaratskhelia, right? He's from Georgia. If he was Spanish, what would he be worth? It would be, right? His value just changes a big time. And I think Mohamed Kudus is everything that I would like to see Joao Felix playing as. Right, He runs at people. He's not afraid. He takes people on. His dribbling's fantastic. He's all energy. He's very aggressive. He's two-footed. He makes things happen. I can't say enough good things about him. And yes, he plays at Ajax, so he doesn't have that much exposure to the world right now because not a lot of people watch the Dutch League. And yes, he plays for Ghana, which means he's an AFCON player, not a European player. And I think that hurts the eyeballs that are on him too. But from a talent perspective, he's every bit as good as any other prospect that's out there. And I think there are levels to his game that we haven't even seen yet. But for me, I think this is like an early contender for young player of the tournament.
1: Yeah. I think he's, I think he's awesome. Like just, he's coming through the Ajax Academy. Right. And he just, they know how to build them there. They've got (laughs) to get going. And yeah, they, he's, He's the guy who's going to score goals for his Garnet team, and he did it today. And he's—I completely agree, Nathan. I think if he was kind of anyone else, we'd be talking about him in a much different in a much different conversation. And yeah, this Garnet team—like, man, does this feel like 2010 all over again? <laughs>
0: Post your
1: free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Did you guys hear, did you guys hear what Kudu said about Neymar before the tournament?
1: No. I, he said,
2: I, he said, he's not better than me. He's just a higher profile player. That's all.
1: <laughs> right, hey, He That's can a walk hot the talk hot take. And that's good. At least he can back it up. He's at least now. announcing going two goals. Like,
2: well, to say that he's that Namor's not better than him, I think is a little out there, like it's a bit bold. Nam-
0: He can't say he lacks confidence, but he plays like that. He plays with all the confidence of a Neymar. He's like, no, listen, I'm going to go make things happen. And I I totally, I don't want him to play as a shadow of himself. I don't want him to play like conservatively thinking I'm not the best player out here. Go out there. Because you know what? He was the best player out there today. It seems like when he plays like that and he applies himself, he damn well could be the best player on the pitch when he applies to it. And the same thing, now this system favors him because they heavily rely on him to make those things happen. And he with obviously not short of confidence is glad to deliver. And I think that's going to just propel them into a new stratosphere of fame after this tournament
2: confidence is everything i love when mm-hmm. players have confidence you can tell when a player doesn't and when a player does i heard ronaldo in an interview recently he said he's not worried about scoring big goals because he says i don't chase the big goals they chase me and i'm like that kind of mentality is what sets ronaldo apart from every single one out every single other striker in in football Mm-hmm. Having that mentality going into a game like that, like Kudus does saying, "Hey, I'm on the same page as Neymar," is what's going to make him exceptional in that game. If you yeah. go in saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, this player is better than me," you're going to have you're you're, you're not going to have as good of a performance as you can have. I like confidence. I don't like cockiness, right. but I do think that being extremely confident is important. Do I think Kudos Kudus is the same type of player as Neymar? At this point in time, no. Oh. I think that Neymar is one of the best players you know, Ever. that we've seen. Yeah. Um, but I do think that Kudos, like you have said, if, if he was playing for different teams and had more of a higher profile placed on him, we would be giving him way more respect prior to this game even today where now everyone's talking about him.
1: Yep. exactly. He was pretty good against Portugal too, right? Nathan? What's that? He, that, uh, that Ghanaian, he was pretty good against Portugal too, right? In that game? He was. But I, I was- still pretty good.
0: Yeah, Portugal, Portugal love to make people look good, though, don't they? They just love to give people a good time playing against them. Yeah, I would say he wasn't the most effective player on the pitch in that game in particular, but I mean, the the system was entirely different Ghana in that game had taken much more of a try to hurt them in transition and defend low kind of approach and then towards the end of the game they made it wild against Korea today they made it wild the whole time they were like no we're gonna go attack we're gonna concede a few we're gonna score some and and we're gonna try to to get the better of them and that's absolutely what they did they started with the two-goal lead which was against the run of play at the time then they took over the game. Then Korea did exactly the opposite. They flipped the game on their head. They had all the momentum as of then. And then the ball comes to uh, Kudus in the, in the opposition box, and he just cuts in and smashed it into the, into the corner. I'm like, dude, this dude's a baller.
2: Did you guys see after the game, one of the Ghana coaches went to go take a selfie with Sun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a savage thing to do.
1: <laughs> that was worthless.
2: That was absolutely ruthless. I,
1: I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And like like, was like crying and stuff. Wasn't <laughs> I was like, man, read the room. Read the room.
0: Well, even the other coach pushed him. He's like, Hey man, you don't see that he's crying. Now son, son son is a very healthy relationship with his emotions. And I rate that. I, I really do respect that. Like he's not, he's very upset and he's like, damn it, bro. Like I'm devastated. And for that coach to just not even wait for him to like wipe the tear, pat him on the shoulder and go, Hey bro, like, it's okay. You played a great game. Well, you didn't, but I mean, you, you're still an excellent player, you know? And he just went, Hey bro, could I get a selfie? That's so funny.
2: <laughs> that guy must've been like, yo, I'm never getting this opportunity again in my exactly. life. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And it's all about me, which like slight yeah. respect. I mean, Maybe I would never, fan. I would never have the confidence in my life to do that. Um, yeah. but I mean, whatever. I feel bad for son. Son is my, like, he has my, he pulls at my heartstrings, that guy. I just mm-hmm. always want to root for him. I feel like,
0: He's a good guy. He's a Wait, face. I
2: feel like all of, he would be friends with everybody. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's a face. You're right. He's I agree a face. with that.
0: We got to put everything in pro wrestling terms. Pro wrestling terms makes everything so easy. You understand? I don't the over, know. Right? Like there's just so many terms we could use, Carolyn. Come on.
2: I don't know if you know this, but I've covered many WrestleManias and SummerSlam. Don't you think I
0: watched you on Aftermath back in the day, Carolyn? I do. Don't, I do. Don't not know, know your history? That. Of course I did. You're talking oh, to a pro was, wrestling fan right here. I have every collectible Aftermath? WWE title, every single one of them
2: nathan i didn't know that My from the heart. renee paquette
0: days she's i watched the best she's the best she's fantastic Ugh, i watched she's all of them.
2: the best Oh wow! Okay, well, when we need to talk WWE after this,
0: we could do a w- kickback WWE edition. Let's, Let's start
2: a ninetieth uh, minute WWE podcast. Let's do it. A
0: hundred percent. I'm in. I have okay. Personal story before we move on to Serbia and Cameroon. I swear on my life for my university graduation, I brought the Ric Flair W World Heavyweight Championship to the thing. I wore it over my gown. I strapped it over my shoulder, and when they called my name to receive my diploma, I lifted it to the whole crowd, holding it like I just won it at WrestleMania. I swear on my life. I this love. Love right here.
2: i love it everyone always asks me what my finishing move would be i'd say i need to do the curb stomp it's to me it's <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> imagine it's me one. i never curb st- curb stomp anyone but i'm like that to me is always one that i'm like even though i know it's not real but people don't understand wwe is yeah. not real but it's still very real in the sense something yeah. can go wrong um, so i'm always like oh my gosh like Nothing bad happened. But okay, we'll talk about this. This is another yeah. day, another podcast. Stuart,
0: this is becoming too Jersey Wall ish. We're getting <laughs> off the track here, okay? This oh is what the Jersey Wall podcast is all about. You've given too much rope to Nate Santos here, okay? Sorry, it, we sorry, get back sorry, the sorry. sorry, sorry. Okay. We so gotta yes. tame ne-
2: next game, go ahead.
0: Next game. Next game was the day was the game of the day until it wasn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a good game to wake up for so early. And what happened? So Cameroon scored early on from, uh, from a corner. And Serbia in the first half, I just have to go check back my notes because I remember watching this, but I was making notes because I was like, it's 5 a.m. I'm not going to remember this. The Serbia attacking players couldn't get into the game. And I was like, dude, this is a problem because I predicted Serbia to go pretty far in this competition and they're not linking up the players who can make things happen. Mm -hmm. And then on the brink of halftime, it looked like it was it, right? Cameron going 1-0 at the half. Like it's a very, very different game and Serbia score one. And then they score another one, two goals in the stoppage time of the first half. And that propelled the momentum. Now it's like, okay, well, Serbia got this game over. They score one pretty quickly into the second half. And I'm thinking, all right, cool. Serbia, like go put four or five past them. Let everybody know that the Brazil one was just a fluke and go show everybody why you are such a strong contender for dark horse at this tournament. And then they conceded because Vincent Abubakar said, listen, I'm a super sub and I'm going to go run this line and, and i'm gonna abuse this high line because you guys are slow and i'm fast he ran through it he chipped the keeper ballsy because he thought he was offside everybody did so he's like eh, i'll try chipping him it went in and then two minutes later he made the exact same run squared it, chupo scored and i'm like dude this is a crazy game like how did serbia not learn this lesson quit playing a high line uh-huh. he just scored it like one second ago and you're gonna do the exact same thing and then serbia couldn't get into it from that moment on I don't know. Something about the African nations, when they start to get going, you can't help but, tr- like, all of them are faces. There's not one heel African <laughs> there because you just want them to succeed. And Serbia are proper heels. They're, they know they're just there to be, to be villains. I, I'm very surprised that Vlahovic hasn't had the impact that I thought he would at this tournament because I thought he would be an outlet and attack for somebody like Malikovic Savage to really, really use and do Tadic as well. And that's not what we're seeing. It's been like Mitro has had more control of the shirt and he scored today it's not that he's been poor but i think you ask objectively most football fans who would you rather have leading the line at your team duzan vlahovic or alexander mitrovic i don't know how many people would say mitro right i feel like most people be like oh vlahovic 100 he's fantastic he's 6'4 and he can score free kicks from 30 yards out like what are you talking about here and he's not getting that opportunity in this team and he didn't get it today i think that that's a mistake and i do think serbia will still win on the last day i think they're going to beat um they're going to beat, uh, who are they playing there? Switzerland. But from what I've seen so far from Serbia, it's not something that I think is going to take them as far into the tournament as I thought they would.
1: How about the Cameroon goalie getting suspended by the team? <laughs> but not liking the way they went to have goal kicks taken. Pretty uh, wild.
0: I don't know if I have a take on Andreo onana standing up for himself and saying, Nabi, like this is how I do it. I feel like you have to respect the manager, even if your accreditations might be marginally better because I tell you what, most players play for better, especially at the international stage, they play for better teams than what their club, than what their national team managers have managed, right? It causes tremendous disruption in the squad. If you're going to start undermining your coach. Mm -hmm. And so I think he does have to conform a little bit and say, okay, like if this is the style we play here, this is the style we play here, because otherwise you get massive, you know, disgruntles within the squad. And now if, if Cameron weren't going to make it with their number one keeper, it's not that he was poor today but i don't know how much their number two keeper is going to help them make it out of this group and beyond
1: and like going up against song as well who's like an absolute legend in cameroon is a very bold decision on that man's part absolutely against the manager very interesting thing to get suspended over he was also suspended for a full year for like failing a drug test once, right?
0: Yeah, that was tough. I feel like that was for like like uh, eczema cream, you know. Yeah, and then he yeah. he just said oh, I didn't declare this, and then he got suspended. But I don't know how real that story is. I might have just been a cover, but, but uh, I, I, so. I,
1: I do think it was something like really middle a While like he would yeah. take something and then. There is something, was in it, or whatever, and yeah, he goes mm-hmm. for the year, but like he's a good goalie, so to actually lose out on him is a tough one, especially considering like the next game is must win against all oh, uh Brazil. Um, <laughs> exactly, and, like I don't know if Cameroon's really gonna get much further at this point now, like I feel like they've had no. their time to shine. Uh, yeah. I guess on Serbia, like, like this is kind of what I assumed they were gonna be, is they can attack really well, but. Defensively, maybe not as great as they should be or need to be, and yeah. it's a weakness for them. But sometimes, when you get this like big generation of players going forward or whatever it is, like you need a couple of the guys to come through. And Belgium somewhat dealt with it, I guess, in 2014, where they were missing mm-hmm. a couple of guys and then got them in 2018 and got to the final four of the tournament, third, and now we're seeing Belgium kind of crumble, I guess. But oh, big time! Oh, it's. I actually, okay, I'm going to talk about that. I cannot believe the comments Kevin De Bruyne made.
0: Oh. Yeah, we haven't heard you talk about that. Karen and I re- released a never-before-seen, never-to-be-released episode of Kickback. I've never seen it of day where we talked all about Belgium. But now it's fitting that we have you here too, Liam, because you thought that they were going to make it out of this group, right? But I can't imagine. Like, that doesn't go well for your predictions when the captain and the best player on the team says, now nah, we're way too old. And then Vertongen to say, oh, yeah, we're too old up top too. That's why we can't score. Like, dude, pff, shots drama. fired here, man.
1: Drama, <laughs> drama, drama. drama. Who would have thought roberto martinez couldn't manage all these new goals <laughs> to, like, to get a everton's pick. finest bro oh my goodness yeah like it's just wild i cannot believe this belgian team how badly they've crumbled it makes me even more disappointed in canada's loss to them knowing how dysfunctional this team is now it makes it almost that much worse especially now that canada's done but boy oh boy you have two of the best players in the entire world on that team and I would put you up against any team running to this tournament to start and I won, won that tournament like Kevin De Bruyne and Couture. like Couture won them the game against Canada mm-hmm. yep. and, and has KDB been is he shown up yet? I haven't seen him
0: no Best no midfielder problem. in the world, not playing in midfield. I,
2: I, I low key think KDB's saving himself for Champions League. Like I low-key think he's like fed up with this Belgium team. And and I think that there's obviously I think that there's obviously problems in this team. And he even said in an interview prior to the World Cup, he said, Would you think that you're you would most likely win a World Cup first or a Champions League title? And he was quick to answer it. And he said, Champions League title. And everyone's like, bro, like City's never like won one. Like, why was that his answer so quickly? And I wonder if because there's a lot of shit going on in this Belgium national team. I thought it was so odd to have the best player in the world, in my opinion, at this moment in time, definitely the best midfielder in the world. Um the captain of this, I don't know if he's captain, but the, one of the biggest leaders of this yeah. Belgium team go out and say, we're not going to do anything because we're old. Like what is, a, what an <laughs> odd thing to say. <laughs> if yeah. I heard, if, if I was a young guy on that team and I'm like, yo, KDB who like I'm hanging out with right now just said, we're not going anywhere. We're definitely not going anywhere. Mm. But I think he's, I think he's ready. I think he wants champions league. I think he wants to win it with city. And, and I think that that's where his mind's at.
0: Yeah, I think he knows if, if Man City were to play a friendly against Belgium and he was playing yeah. for Belgium, City would beat them 14 nothing. Like City would beat the breaks off of Belgium every single day of the week. And I think he just knows, he's like, my chances of winning one of the big trophies that I really, really want to win is astronomically higher with City than it is Belgium mm-hmm. because neither team have ever crossed that line, right? City haven't crossed the line and won the Champions League before, but Belgium have never crossed that line oh, and God. made it to the final or won the World Cup, right? They, Like you said, I think the, the golden era peaked in 2018 and now it's the fallout and the transition between... Their best players are so old, they're horribly imbalanced, and the young kids are not ready to take that mantle yet, right? Like Charles de Ketelar, brilliant player, like really, really good, hasn't kicked on at Milan this season can't really get into this team either right when Ad- eden hazard who weighs as much as current nate santos is t- trying to tear up the wing at nowadays i'm not like it's not the it's not the and hazard of old i don't like it there's nothing about this team that stands out to me except for the video that i saw vonana singing because that's the only thing he does well elbow people in the face and sing like an angel do you guys see Keith, did
2: video? you no
0: he's brilliant Saying this, <laughs> he's saying the lights out. So he's fantastic. I almost downloaded it. I was like, I want this in my ringtone. So, no, uh, Onana Onana can sing. Onana. Hazard, can, he just puts things
1: in his mouth. He doesn't, uh... did, Sorry, <laughs> no, go, go. No, 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 no. I
2: was just saying, did you guys hear that there was apparently a fight between Hazard, De Bruyne, and and um, vertagen yesterday? Nope. And apparently, Lukaku had to, like, it, it was a big in all caps big altercation between those three and then Lukaku intervened and stopped everything.
1: Wow. That doesn't surprise me. I I just I've said it again. I'll say it again sorry. Like Martinez, they should have sacked this guy so long ago. And the fact that the assistant manager is Thierry Henry also doesn't bode well. Like he's only managed like this is supposedly one of the, the second best team in the world. And then like, the biggest yeah. joke ever. The, the world biggest, rankings are the biggest fraud no ever. I oh, I could go on them again.
2: Bigger yeah. than, bigger than VAR assistance?
1: No. Is,
0: <laughs> I would say yes. I would still say yes. I think that Belgium being ranked no. number two, despite not winning a damn thing for ten years, what, what on at least VAR gets it right sometimes. There's never
1: okay. been a reason for Belgium to be that high. So here's my thing on world rankings. I just don't get. So Belgium. So 10 years ago was 2012. So did they play at the 2012 Euros? I can't even remember. Or was 2014 World Cup the one where they kind of started, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years ago, Belgium was nowhere to be seen on the world map of football. And now somehow, after Italy won a Euros, Spain has won a World Cup along with two Euros, Germany's won whatever they've won. Belgium's higher than all of them. Yeah. How on earth does that work at all? It makes zero sense to me. Like they I, they, I know it's based off points or whatever. But like, I, I would like to see these points and who's writing them down because somebody's clearly giving Belgium double.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, quickly, just to go off the Serbia game, Nathan, yes. do you still think Serbia is going to reach the World Cup final?
0: No. No, 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 nowhere near it. No, I don't think they're anywhere close to that anymore. I think that all all the expectations... I expected them to have six points from six... No, sorry. They played Brazil. I expect them to have six points leaving the group because I would have thought they would have beaten Cameroon and I thought they would have beaten Switzerland, but but lost to Brazil because everybody will lose to Brazil. I think that then with the way the bracket would have played out was building off that momentum. Serbia would have been very, very hard to play against for Uruguay or Portugal, because you have to remember they beat Portugal in the qualifying round. So I know that they know how to beat Portugal. Then they would have faced... One of Spain, Germany, Croatia, Morocco, one of those iterations. And I went, Ugh, I, pff, that's a battle no matter who it is. But I feel like once they make it past there, they're going to face Denmark or England on the other side. Like These are winnable games for the for the expectation and the version of the team that I had. But now, no, I don't think the team is anywhere near robust enough defensively to allow the attacking creative players to do their thing. So I think it's mm-hmm. just it's holding everybody back.
2: Mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, I had Denmark going to the World Cup final, so I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and for the record, I would not have predicted Serbia to make the final. Never. But then when I did the bracket, I looked at the matchups and I'm like, eh, I, think so. I think Serbia could win that. And then I looked at the next one and I went, mm, yeah, I think they're going to win that too. And then I it's, found them in the final. Like, what are you guys doing here? How did you get this it, far? It's
2: interesting because everyone's like favorite go-to um, dark horses of this tournament have kind of been the teams that have flopped which is very, very interesting to me. We should do a podcast episode on that, like the Denmark's and the Serbia's and the Uruguay's. And even for me, Canada, you know, these are teams that are potentially not getting out of the group or aren't showing a dominant performance where where they can get out of the group or Mm -hmm. do well in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm so Um, down for that episode. Time and place. Let's do it. So
1: So do we want to do predictions for tomorrow? We sure do. Do we want oh, okay. predictions? Who's going to get out of the group quickly? Since everyone just has one game left, or do we want like that. day by day?
2: No, or I don't know. You guys decide. We should do predictions for tomorrow, though.
0: Yeah, let's do day oh. by day. So, who makes it out of the group tomorrow? Basically,
1: okay. okay, sounds good. Let me pull up my cool bet stuff here.
2: Okay, right. Because okay, so let's just do both. Let's do predictions of for the games tomorrow, and then
1: just continue. What, pardon? And then we can just continue it on throughout the groups.
2: Yeah, and then we'll just say, yeah, what teams okay. are getting out of the groups. We're
1: going to revisit those
0: discussions day by day for sure as new <laughs> stories break.
1: <laughs> okay. No more, no more early kickoffs, guys. Yeah, I know. we watch all the games, but not <laughs> at <the> same time. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll kick us off here. So Ecuador, Ecuador. this is a Cool Bet segment powered by Cool Bet, spoken by Liam. ecuador versus senegal the battle for not only second but possibly first in the group ecuador 145 senegal plus 232 for a draw plus 210 now where are we putting our money also to hit the woodwork minus 115 anyone anyone like that one
0: i do like that one (laughs) i could see the post being hit
1: yeah i i'm gonna go away from my original prediction and I'm going to go with Ecuador. Mm, Welcome
0: here. aboard. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Caroline, we got
1: them. We got we them. Did. The p- kickback persuasion. The Senegal unfortunately have just they can't find a way without Mane. I really thought they were going to be able to get a little bit of juice out of someone else, but it's just not worked out for them. Ecuador, you can argue been one of the best teams of the tournament so far. Yep. I uh, agree. As an England fan, I'm hoping Netherlands lose to Qatar so they basically- <laughs> Group. But right, Honestly, now, I was just gonna say I'll go. I'll go with Ecuador plus one forty six.
2: So if if Netherlands tops the group,
1: mm-hmm.
2: no, then you wouldn't be playing England. They wouldn't be playing. If England, England
0: tops the group, they'll face the 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 runners up in this group. Yeah. which might be Ecuador or another one. Yeah,
1: hopefully Ecuador not. would be a tough team. I think. England. Yeah,
2: hopefully Netherlands. Netherlands has been M I A.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, super underwhelming. We'll get a an idea of what Netherlands Eyes next game, I guess. Like if they come out yeah. the doors off guitar, I think it could be a bit of a, a boost for them, but we'll see. So are we all in Ecuador for this game then? Yes. Absolutely. Powered by CoolBet. Powered
0: by kicked back this is what we are guys <laughs> we're an ecuador fan club and the jerseys are awesome and the players are awesome and, and enter valencia is the cult hero and he's going to keep doing it but he did get stretchered off in the last game so speaking of outlets i don't know if he's going to be there to score that goal this time for them that could be a potentially deciding factor as well however keep in mind ecuador just have to not lose right because they already have more points so if they draw they go through if they win they go through
1: what what did he get? Did I miss this? What did he get stretched off?
0: <laughs> it's that got- reoccurring knee
1: injury. He's got them thirty-three-year-old knees, bro. Makes sense. Why well, doesn't? Yeah, the same one much. he went off with. Yeah. I feel like I've got thirty-three-year-old knees sometimes. i <laughs> uh, twenty-six. Okay, Netherlands, Netherlands, Qatar. Netherlands obviously heavy favorites, minus four thirty-five. Qatar plus fifteen hundred to win this game. Also plus five fifty for a draw. However, I don't think i put money on either team to win, <laughs> Netherlands should win. Cody Gakpo and Netherlands to win, plus 1.35. Love That's it.
2: That's
1: a good bit. That's That's a a good bit. Yeah, and a the star team. is born. Yes. The mean That's guy. I love it. Hey, um, um, are we all on Netherlands, is that fair to assume? Caroline, go ahead.
2: Yeah, Take no, time. I think I, you guys know how I feel about the Netherlands. I'm not impressed by them, but I definitely think that this is a win, and Liam, hopefully the Qatar fans do you proud during this game and not leave early.
1: <laughs> I wish, yeah, wish there was a bat on the over-under. When <laughs> the <top. laughs> That's so funny.
0: I go minute minute 15. If they're down three, no, it's over. You know, Actually, I, I think I think the other ones have been super underwhelming as well. But I, th- I feel like mm-hmm. Qatar have to show up for something. I feel like this is leave it all on the table and that will either – at least get them a goal. Like Have them have them give the fans something to celebrate. The thing is, even if they come out more attacking and trying to play for it because they literally have nothing to lose, the other ones are going to rip them apart if they do that.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, do or die for them. I, I guess you could yeah. say they already died. Put on the show. <laughs> All right. All the, right. Best the best group of the, the tournament, tournament or the best team in the tournament, group B. <laughs> All right. Iran versus... United States of America. This is is all on the line for this one. So basically, I guess we'll explain it quickly. England are fourth top of the group. Then the Wales... No, Iran, sorry, is in second with three. USA is in second, uh, third with two. Wales is fourth with one. So my prediction hopefully won't come true because that would mean Wales won and England probably aren't top of the group anymore. But anyway, um, Iran, USA. Iran plus three hundred, draw plus two forty, USA plus one oh six. I I'm going with Iran. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually right. Are US going to score? They just they they generate a lot, but they just don't put the ball in the net. Iran, to their credit, I know they conceded six against England, but they still found a way to score two, and then they scored two more against Wales. Like they've shown they have offensive ability here, and I just don't know if. Maybe I'm undervalued in what the U.S. has done now the more I think about it, but my, my mind is just telling me Iran.
0: See, I I think you're spot on, to be honest. I don't think they have enough to break through. I think that they have a very combative and impressive, energetic midfield. Really, Because Tyler Adams has been sensational. Yunus Moussa has been unbelievable too. I think he's like the pace and energy in the middle, not just the energy, but the pace in particular. I think it's a really interesting way that they press when they're kind of standing off and they commit kind of one of the midfielders and the winger goes wide. I think it's fascinating to watch, but that's not going to apply against Iran. Iran are going to be so deep and they're just going to try to spring him in transition and hurt them at the death, which is exactly what happened against Wales. And they won. And Iran had hit the post multiple times in that game. Like Iran's goal difference wouldn't be as bad as it were if they were a little bit more clinical against Wales. But I had Iran making it out of this group in second place from day one. The England result didn't necessarily change that. I would say if you're placing with cool bet, you got to bet on Iran.
2: I'm going to stick with my original prediction. I think that the U.S. has what it takes to win this game. If Burhalter can move a few things around and start putting his players in a position to succeed versus staying stubborn with his systems and styles of play. They had a really, really good game against England. We all know that Um, it's just a matter of finding a guy who can score those goals. USA was also really unlucky. Pulisic hit the crossbar. It was an unbelievable shot. I thought McKenney missed a sitter and I thought he played really, really well all game. You mentioned Musa. Tyler Adams was phenomenal. They have guys to make it happen. And I think that their goalkeeper was amazing. So Mm -hmm. I think that this is a team that can absolutely get it done. Berhalter just needs to move some of his players around to give them a chance to score. I'm not taking anything away from Iran. I just think that um, I'm going to stick with my original pick about the U.S. because I do think that they played a really good game against England it's just now if they can carry it over into this next game with a lot of pressure, this is a young team with little to no world cup experience. So mm-hmm. if they're able to deal with that and then find another level, which means scoring because that's all that their game is missing right now. Uh, so we'll see, not taking anything away from this Iran team. I just think that the U S if, if they can find that goal scoring outlet, that they'll, that they'll be able to at least have a very, very good competitive performance. Fair enough. Did you guys see Tyler Adams' interview by that journalist, by the way?
1: Yeah, yes. I did. Yeah, I wild. Trying to figure... Did I say Iran correctly? I, I said remember. it correctly.
0: I think you did. Caroline, I think you got to work on the pronunciation here. Okay. Iran.
1: Yeah. yeah I, Iran. That's how you say it, right? I yeah,
0: Iran. Be honest Iran. Iran. Uh, Not Iran, but Iran.
1: Tyler Adams' credit. I think he answered that question very, very well.
0: Agreed. Consummate professional. He yeah. fully... He didn't, he didn't lash back and say, well, what about what your country's doing? He said... You know what? Every country can improve. I'm trying to lead by example for my
1: nation. Yeah, I thought he did, he did a good job. Um, Wales, England, the Battle of Britain. I am not worried about this game. I'm slightly concerned because, damn, when England play these four nation teams, they sure show up against them. Wales plus 715 to win, draw plus 350, and England is minus 217. I mean, I think England will win. I'm not going to put any money on the money line. I just don't think he's there. But I think England should have enough quality, even if they played the second team, to beat Wales. I just don't know if Wales can get enough through to get Gareth Bale kind of going here.
0: Can I tee you up here, Liam? Because I want to get your thoughts on something. Tee me up. Do you feel like the first performance we saw from England at this World Cup was more reflective of what we can expect from this tournament or the second performance we saw from them? I don't know.
1: Um, I think so. Here's my thing I thought about this a lot. Actually. So, I think going into that game, I think England, the US game, I think England wanted to win the game, obviously, and had the mentality of like, we're going to go out there and win, try and play like they did around, and then quickly realized that the US were doing a really good job of not allowing them to do that. So, they adjusted it into a way of, well, we don't want to lose this game either. So, that's why they brought on like Jordan Henderson instead of like Phil Foden or someone like hmm. that to try and bring a more defensive mind things into it. I don't like that strategy. I think England should be the better team every single game just because of who they are and also yeah. how quality they have. But Also, I don't mind that Southgate's playing not to lose either. Like I think one thing that yeah. sometimes gets away from, from us all when we talk about Southgate is in the two major tournaments he's been to before this one, the 2018 world cup and the 2020 euros, he never lost, he's never lost a game in 90 minutes. Hmm never lost a game in 90 minutes he lost to croatia in extra time and then he lost to italy on penalties so this man knows how to get far in tournaments and he knows what he needs to do to get to that point so i believe in him i think at this point i am i am i think they'll come out like Iran for this one just because mm. they need to to be honest so <laughs> that's the best way i can put it they need to win this game and don't don't put fate in other people's hands like just deal with it yourself
0: I like it. Yeah, me too. I, I think so, too. I think that maybe the first performance wasn't as reflective of what we can expect from this tournament, because I think that's very, very unlikely because they're not going to play a team that plays like how Iran do. I don't. I think Wales are going to be up for this. I think Wales know they have very little chance of making it out of this group, but everything to play for if they win. So I feel like they will come at England trying really, really, really hard to earn the respect and like upstage them. And I feel like England will be able to handle that because they don't concede very much. So I feel like they'll just be able to hurt him in transition. I will say key player Philip Foden needs to needs to play this game. I feel like it's ridiculous that he hasn't been. And I feel like if there's a player that you'd want to have in your team to play that decisive pass or to be member, a member of an intricate front three, it's got to be Phil because Phil is a, is a different speaker so often for Man City. And now you're going to tell me that he shouldn't be starting against Wales. I think it's a like really, really heavy shout.
1: He won't play. I think
2: so. It's crazy. When you talk about Berhalter and how stubborn he is with like systems, I feel like Southgate's probably the same way with Foden, because Mm -hmm. I agree with what Stephen Caldwell said today on the panel at TSN. He said, there isn't a team at this world cup who would not play Phil Foden. And I absolutely agree with that. That's how good he is. So Southgate at this point in time, if he chooses not to start him or play him, he's being stubborn and he's not looking at it objectively. Like there's something going on where he has this bias that he doesn't want to play Foden. And I think that that'll only hurt. It'll hurt England, but it'll hurt Southgate more because you can't come back from that. He needed to be in that game. Foden needed to be in the game against the U S and so did Trent Alexander Arnold because England needed a spark and they weren't getting it from the players that they had on the pitch. I think in this Wales game, it's going to be an easy game for both teams to get up for, for obvious reasons. This is a game where I think anything can happen. I think that the US set... Uh, sorry, that England set such a high expectation in their opening game where they had this unbelievable performance and then had a tougher game against the US. I think after that game against the US, they'll be able to bounce back and have another really good performance. I think that if they utilize the right players. And that's a Garrett Southgate conversation that I'm sure we'll be having after the game as well. I think that England can win this. And I would say maybe even a two, two nothing win for England. I I'm not sure how Wales is going to start to score those goals, but again, it's a game where anything could happen. I could be very wrong on that.
1: Yeah. I think two nil as well. Me too. Mason Mount two goals.
2: <laughs> oh my god! He needs it after his last game.
1: Yeah, uh, I think began- Kane and Saka as my goal Yeah. Kane and Saka, okay, okay. Harry
2: Maguire, no Harry Maguire, man, he deserves a goal. Whether he's mm. you know becoming prime Neymar again in the box and dangling people, <laughs> or he's getting up for a header, Dangly. like he. He's so—that's what they used to call it back in the day when I played. No, no, Nathan. yeah, I I'm remember the hockey terms. I just think
0: of it like the toe drags, and just, you know, yeah. just put the hockey terminology into it. Let's make it Canadian: the dangle, snipe, and sell. That's it. honestly what we hard.
2: called it. That's what we called it I when it. I played. So I'm not sure what it's called these days, but uh, <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> much <Yeah, I'll laughs> deserves it.
1: Sauce, England going all the way. They have it, folks. That'll do. I think. Bang. Up, let's just. I guess we'll keep our of our predictions for the other shows, right?
2: Yeah, we can do that. Because what are we? at We're at an hour and fifteen minutes. Oof. Yeah, yeah. We'll let our listeners go because I'm sure people have got dinner to get to and whatever else they're doing tonight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the the good news is, is the games aren't super early tomorrow, so um, everyone enjoys sleeping in a little bit. Or you know, if you're at work and you just watch the games on your iPad, you have less to keep up with, basically. And yeah, this has been kicked back, presented by Uber One, and our bets of the day were powered by Cool Bet. And thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Boys, anything else you want to say?
1: I'm good. It's coming me home. Too. It's <laughs> it
0: no, I think uh, I think the TJW invasion has come on a little strong this episode. I'll dial it back I'm next fine. time. Jersey Wall preview, but thanks for having me again, guys. Happy to be here.
2: Uh, there was one quick thing that I want to say, Nathan, about Portugal. I think Mendes is a is a huge talent for you guys.
0: Oh my God. And Guerrero, like the step off. how so many times he got beat. He's so slow. I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be such just, a problem.
2: He's he's so fast. And yeah, I, I was incredible. so because he went down with an injury. I was like, yeah. I can't wait to watch this guy even more. And then another thing, when I saw Pepe in the back line, if I were to place a cool bet bet if i'm that's too close of saying bet twice back to back but you guys know what i mean i'd pick if there was one it would have to be the over on him getting a yellow card or a red card in that game (laughs) just because of pepe's history i'm like there needs to be some kind of bet when pepe's in the game what's the what's the odds of him getting a yellow or a red card
1: (laughs) i (laughs) agree yeah yeah how many fouls place you
0: over under three fouls per game (laughs) <laughs> right? I know.
2: All right, guys, this has been Kickback, presented by Uber one. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. That's a wrap for another episode of kicked back. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please. And thank you. And for even more kicked back content, follow the 90th minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time.